I'm Angela Lucier, a professional public speaker, seven-time author, two-time TEDx speaker, and CEO and founder of the Speaker Sisterhood, a network of public speaking clubs for women. And I'm Dr. Jolie Hamilton, a research psychologist, best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and ASEC certified sex educator. Together, we're the hosts of Claim the Stage, a podcast about speaking and sisterhood. If you've been a fan, you know I've been doing this show solo, and it's been all about public speaking for years. Well, that all changes now. Well, you're still talking about speaking on stage, but now we're also going to focus on the three things that you need to make an impact, your voice, confidence, and sisterhood. This show is a training ground to go from dreaming to creating. Right. And we'll still be doing interviews with expert guests. Plus, you'll also get more personal stories and insights from us as well. I'm really excited to see where this goes. Me too. And slightly freaked out. Yeah, me too. Welcome to the next chapter of Clay on the Stage. Hey, Jolie. Hey, Ange. So, you're glowing. Do I have glow? You do have a glow. You have a you have a very big smile. I didn't know that you had dimples until right now. <laughs> <laughs> I do just the one. I have the one. My brother had two. I have just the one. <laughs> That's your dating dimple. Let's tell everyone what's going on. It, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So yeah, it is my dating dimple. It totally is. I love people. I really, really do. Um, but like COVID and like no dating. Yeah. I just, it was just too complicated. We were following very strict protocols, um, which was a good idea for us, but you know, and then before that I was writing a dissertation and I was not exactly, I mean, I was seeing some people casually, but no, you know, relating. So what happened? You, I opened my okay cupid profile again after years i've and I, like years and years and years and i opened it um way before i've opened it before i was ready we just did this episode so we recorded <laughs> that episode and i went on vacation and ken my husband had reopened his so we're non-monogamous in case you're just tuning in we're consensually non-monogamous this was totally cool he opened his profiles so he's like okay i'm ready and he was you know meeting some people and talking about them and i'm like oh this is all great but it's nice to link your profiles so people can see that you're actually doing consensual non-monogamy. You're not just, well, being a jerk because I don't like that. And so I, I made my profile thinking, well, I'll just have it there in the background. I'm way too busy to do anything about it. And then like a perfect person went by my, like th there was their face and then there were their words and that was it. I'm like, I have to message this person instantly. That's so exciting. And you went now on a date. Talking. We went on a date on Saturday and we, um, and we talked for, well, we talked basically just straight through, I don't know, it was like six hours or something. <laughs> um, and yeah, we've been talking ever since. And now I have my, my glowing dimple. <laughs> yeah, she's lovely. And um, it's, it is a, it's a new experience for me because when I've dated women in the past, it hasn't been, um, I have not been able to make a really soulful connection with them, even though I've tried really hard. Um, it's been like sort of limited to the sexual realm or totally limited to the friend realm. Both of those things are good, but like, I'm like, where's, I think it should be possible to overlap these things. But yeah. seriously, I'm 44 years old and never, never do the two things overlap, never. And I've been by my whole awareness. Like I have no awareness of ever not being pansexual or bisexual or whatever you want to call it right now. No awareness of ever not. So that's a whole lot of practice and I'm pretty slutty. I mean, so it's not like I'm not intentionally trying. Nope, nothing. That's a hard mix for any partner to be able to do. It's true. Right? And I have Ken already Yeah. who I manage that with. Which yeah, is you shocking. found one of those unicorns. How are you going to find two? I mean, that's like you but have to be the But he's a dragon, oh. so now I need more. I'm gonna. I'm going to fill my mythical stable. Okay. That's it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of filling your mythical stable, which that should be a bumper sticker. That should um, be. Yeah. <laughs> 
We have a guest on the show today who is kind of a mythical creature. She has been a helicopter pilot, a teacher, a designer, a relief worker, a war refugee, a CEO, a United Nations representative on the Commission on the Status of Women's Hunger Project. She's been shot at, shipwrecked, and widowed. She has lived on a farm, a boat, a penthouse, and in an ashram. So we have a very special guest who I kind of sounds like someone that... <laughs> If that was their dating profile, we would both be like, are you, what, do you want to get together this yeah. week? I'd be like, here, where, like, where, 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 where are we drinking coffee? Tell me. Yeah. yeah. Quite and a miracle. It person. is. And she's brought all of those things together to become a wisdom teacher. And she has taught over 200,000 people around the world to be able to answer existential questions like who and what am I and what is my life about? So these are the types of questions we're going to talk about on the show today. But one of the things you brought up right after we talked to her was like the concept of picking a teacher or an expert to follow or to learn from, and then also how to tune into your own inner expert. So do you want to talk about that for a minute before we chat with her? Yeah, I think it's an important point. And he, he, what I was feeling while we were talking to her, her was, oh, she and I have a lot in common. I, and I'm certain I could learn more about the way I do my own work by listening to her, her work. And I definitely will. Um, however, it's also easy to, to like every new person that's in front of you to be like, oh, I need to learn that. And I have to do this thing. And I need to follow their way, their path. Um, Sophie said something that matters a lot during this interview that I don't think I'm giving anything away. She said, all, all roads lead to Rome. Like there are a lot of paths. And if we leap from one to the other, and now I'm going off on my own tangent. If we leap from one to another, we're not really moving forward. We're just sort of staying in the same place and being like pulled into other people's stories and believing that other people have the answer for us. So while I think it's super important that we find some, some help and some guides along the way. And I mean, here I am, I'm a coach. I do exactly this, but I don't think it's a good idea to constantly be seeking every answer outside of ourselves. It's in fact, problematic. Mm -hmm. What about you? About the uh, statement, take what you need and leave the rest when it comes to following people's advice and listening to gurus and leaders. Yeah. Okay. So first off, I have an anti-guru like statement. I have a problem with guruism because we're all just beings. We are just all here. And while sure, some of us have studied different things or we have gone through different things. The idea that someone has the answers, ugh, that makes me run in the other direction. But I think that the statement, take what you need and leave the rest or take what works and leave the rest. I think it can be applied really well um, take what resonates now and remember that some of the stuff that you're being presented isn't for you right now. Like I went to graduate school for years and years. And one of the most helpful statements that someone said to me was we were sitting at lunch and I was so overwhelmed by the hundreds of pages we were reading every week and all of the ideas. And I was just, I was feeling like I was drowning. And she said, it was, um, Dr. Jennifer Seelig. She said, Jolie, stop like that. That's not like, yes, you're here. You're at Pacifica, but we're going to present you with a smorgasbord. It's this huge buffet and you can't take it all in now. Like you, you can't, you've got to go along and select some pieces and really digest them, make them part of you. And the buffet is here. Like you, you've learned it. you've assembled the books and you've, you now know how to access this information and bring it into your awareness. You don't have to eat it all right now. So now I try not to eat all my knowledge in one bite. <laughs> I try. I Break it into succeed. three square meals, maybe right. two small snacks. Couple snacks. I need my snacks. <laughs> I need my evening snack of wisdom. I definitely do. <laughs> I've noticed that. I mean, I would say that I have been following, uh, you know, authors, thought leaders, speakers, people who make it a point to try and share their knowledge or perspective, probably for the last 20 years, pretty consistently. And I've, I've read a lot of books and looked at, um, you know, so many TED Talks and attended so many conferences in an effort to try and broaden my mind, also connect dots and just decide for myself what works. And I think at the end of the day, what I've discovered is I'm not actually that interested in what people are saying. I'm really interested in how they get their essence out into the world. And that word essence 
is somewhat vague, but what I mean by that is like your, your true, honest energy, gift, love, vibe, like the thing that makes you, you being able to put that out there. I don't even really care what you're saying. And like, I've, I've talked about Sark on this show many times. And for anyone who doesn't know who she is, she's an author who writes all of her books in marker. And she's been doing that for 30 years. She's published around 20 books in her, uh, in her lifetime. And you always know when you're holding one of Sark's books, you know, because she ha- she uses the primary colors and she uses her own handwriting and she puts pictures into her work. And I don't always agree with everything she writes, but I just love that. I know that I know who she is because of right. the way that she presents herself. And I just think that takes so much courage and awareness and consistency that is hard to find. And so if I'm watching a TED talk now, or I happen to come across a, a show, a, you know, a video on YouTube, I'm not actually like listening to them. I'm just like, how are they showing up? And are they showing up in a way that makes me feel excited to want to know more about them? And, and that's, I don't know, that's my new um, direction, I guess. Yeah, it sounds like you're shifting out of the passive learning into your active, like, being with other big ideas. You're also like not setting yourself up for the disappointment that comes when we when we put the pressure on someone else to be an, a solution, an answer. Yeah. They, we all have ideas. Everyone has brilliance. Yeah. So like enjoy that. I love that you're focusing on how someone's showing up because I have people who I actually disagree with completely, but, but yeah, but I, I do appreciate how they show up. And, or I can appreciate how they show up because they're a great lesson for me about how I don't want to. (laughs) Well, and you've, you've taught me a lot about recognizing that my value isn't just the words I'm saying. It's about me showing up as myself and people feel inspired by my energy and enthusiasm for what I'm doing. And I never valued that before, but as I've started to value that more in myself, I've started to value it more in other people. And it is really important and it's not tangible and it's not something that you can put on your resume, but it's something that does make you valuable and interesting and memorable. So yeah, it's the intangible thing that makes somebody an awesome speaker. Yeah. It's also like that X factor that makes a singer a star, you know, it's like, you can't, you can't really manufacture it. It's just you being yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And you're being able to show up that way. So um, I'm excited to present this, this episode today that we, I don't know. We, we, I, I didn't really know what to expect because we her, dove in, <laughs> we, we dove, dove in. in, we went right to the unconscious and awareness and like what the purpose of being is. All that. <laughs> yeah. So maybe don't be driving while you listen to this. Cause it might be a bit much. <laughs> um, vacuuming is probably fine. Um, all right. So without further ado, here's our interview with Sophie McLean. Sophie McLean, welcome to Claim the Stage. Thank you for having me. We're very excited to talk with you today about the subject of growth without suffering. This show for so many years has been about building your skill set around public speaking. And so many of our listeners know that stepping out of the shadows and going into the spotlight does require a good amount of bravery and facing your fears. And to some that might feel like a, a level of suffering is taking place. And so we're excited to talk to you about how you can grow in your life without suffering, not just when becoming a speaker but also when doing anything difficult and that requires you to kind of push yourself beyond your normal levels of comfort. So before we jump into that, I would love it if you could give us a little background on you. I know you've had quite an adventurous life and have done so many things. So do you want to share a little bit of that with us just to set the stage? Um, I can tell you how I started and what my life became, right? So I'm 60 year old, right? And I'm talking to you, you're much younger than me. But when I was 12, I, uh, I was being brought up in Morocco. I'm French. I was in Casablanca, Morocco, in the garden of my parents. And my family was getting ready to sit down for dinner. And I had a gift. I literally, I mean, I really didn't call for it. It just downloaded on me. And I had... Um, two insights. The first one was that I was being brought up in a cocoon. Uh, 
that was beautiful filled with love and beauty and everybody was happy and everybody loved everybody else and that was not what the world was about so I suddenly you know I think uh, I just thought oh good god well I must see the whole world then I mean it's not possible I can't see just a little bit of the world and then the other insight was that everything I was going to discover was an illusion anyway. Mm. So then I thought, good God, I got, I got the game. So I ran to my parents and I said, I, I just, I understand everything. You imagine a little 12 year old, right? Let me tell you, let me tell you, everything is an illusion. And my parents looked at me <laughs> and said, okay, this one is crazy. And that nickname stayed with me. Um, the crazy one, but um, I never forgot it, right? And I always had this yearning to um, discover the mystery be beyond what we call reality. So I never stopped. I, <laughs> I have traveled to over a hundred different country. I led to a hundred thousand people. I am a helicopter pilot across the South Pacific. I studied tango, tantric yoga, Hinduism, Buddhism. I have three masters in philosophies. I am widowed. I lost a child. I lived in different countries. I went to an ashram. I mean, I never stopped because I dance with what life gives me. So uh, you could say that since that day, I've been a yes to life. If this is uh, an opportunity, and it doesn't occur as an opportunity sometimes, but if life is an opportunity, I'm not going to just miss out. <laughs> yeah, one of the questions you ask in your work is uh, that you ask of your attendees is what is my life about? And I'm wondering if you were asked that question, how would you answer it? Um, my personal life is, um, it's a bit of a strange answer, but all that I, I, all of my energy is geared towards presenting grace and the divine on earth. So I'm very connected to the divine and to my soul and but I'm here and I have made it my mission for people to remember who they really are because when you remember who you really are literally you have the experience of grace and the divine and suffering disappears. <laughs> yeah, tell me more about that. Do you have a different definition for the word suffering or how did you so it, the tool we have to exist on this uh, material plane is language, right? So if, um, you know, our brain can be seen like a, a terminal, like a bus terminal from the divine and the quantum dimension, and then goes through our brain, we have our mind, and then we have language. Thoughts are language, there is many different language, mathematics is a language, but we have the realm of language to create this material life. So language is very important and it is not a question of uh, being a snob about it. It is like the more power you want, learn about language. So if we make a distinction between pain and suffering or fear and anxiety, then you will see that your world will totally expand. So let's take uh, pain and suffering, right? So pain, pain is actually really necessary to be alive on this earth because if you don't have pain and you put your hand in the fire, you, you, you will burn yourself. Uh, if you don't have pain, you won't know what's good for you. We have survived so far as a species, species because we have pain. So we know what's good for us, what's not good for us, right? So pain is um, also pain can be ontological. Like if you lose somebody you love, I lost my father three months ago, or I should say my father departed three months ago. I, the, the pain of the loss, meaning he is not here physically, I welcome. Can you imagine if I didn't have any pain at the death of my father, which I adored? I mean, 
no, I don't even want that. I, I, I want to miss him uh, uh, physically. And I need to create now a new relationship, a spiritual relationship with him. I really but appreciate that. I really, I just have to say, Angela and I both have lost our fathers in the last couple of, it's, Angela's been a little over a year for you. Yeah, a year and a half. Yeah, and and six months for me. That shift from accept, like trying to push away the pain to embracing the mm -hmm. fact that it's come, it, it's like recognizing that love is also, it, like that's that's the 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 reaction of your of your love yeah. when they are no longer physically with you. Um, but and, how, what do you how do you teach people to shift that? Because it's a big, well, it's hard. It's not easy. Well, the, by explaining what suffering is and what is pain is not. So, so once you embrace the pain, you will find that it disappears quite quickly, right? Once you dive in, that's what you were saying, Jolly. Once you dive in it, okay, you feel pain. And then before you know it, it you feel something else. Now, suffering is when you make up stories, right? So I could see with my mother and sister, for example, they say, oh, I should have done more. I, I, I should have said that. I, maybe he didn't know that. And, you know, they started with the guilt and the blame and the stories about what they should have or shouldn't have because it is somehow easier to create a suffering drama of guilt and blame rather than just be with a pain because the pain, to be with a pain, you need to accept the void, the total absence, the nothingness. And that is more scary for people than suffering. So, but suffering is a human construct. You know, I, I was looking at a dog the other day with three legs. The dog doesn't cry his life out and says, I need a therapist, my life is ruined. No, 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 no. The dogs just run as fast as they can to keep up with the other one, right? The earth doesn't suffer from an earthquake. The only one suffering are human being because we in language make up stories. So the access to end suffering is to be profoundly related to the present moment and to what's so. The moment you have a narrative about it and you make up a story, then we are fully filled with suffering. It's such a catch-22 because we are a story-making creature. Like that, that you said it, the light, we, we are a language-based entity, but the stories we make up so often invite us deeper into our entitlement, into only, our what only, I deserve. Only if you believe them. Right. <laughs> right. But it's but it's easy to convince ourselves. And when we're when we're making the transition out of believing the story into the next step, what does that feel like? So I didn't understand. Jolie, um, can you what, say it what, how would somebody how would somebody recognize that they're they're suffering? Like how would they recognize it and then take <laughs> a step away? A step away. <laughs> what suffering sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you don't have to be Einstein to know you're suffering, right? It goes from slight body discomfort and heart racing all the way to full out dramas and tears crawled up on the floor. But, but suffering is anything else other than well, other than bliss, you know? It's quite easy to recognize, but what is very good about what you're saying is that people are so used to be stuck in that space of suffering that it's become the norm. Well, that's what I was thinking is I, I mean, I work with people all the time who are in relationships that are no longer, yeah. no longer, they don't feel well in the relationship, mm -hmm. but they, first off, they often have recapitulated their childhood drama right? Yeah. So they, they're living out that again. And so it feels familiar. And then now they've been in this relationship for a long time, or they've been in this job for a long time. And it feels so familiar that you can be deeply, deeply suffering and, and not be aware of it. But I like that you said it could start as just body discomfort, just an awareness of like a small awareness that something is off 
then can trigger yeah. us into, into reflecting on this differently. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, and there is another access which never failed me to tell the truth. Right, so because most people are like sleepwalkers. That's, um, um, I use the word unconscious. We are made of consciousness, right? I love quantum physics that revolutionize our view of the universe saying even atoms are made of consciousness, right? So everything is made of consciousness. So it's not possible to be unconscious. You are consciousness and what unconsciousness can be seen as is being consciousness without any awareness. Mm -hmm. So that's a sleepwalker. So people in the relationship you're talking about, Jolly, are literally sleepwalking because the suffering is so intense. You have to make yourself numb. You have to, to tolerate what people tolerate. You have to numb yourself. So, um, especially if there is no tragedies, right? Because if there is a tragedy, then people will wake up. Yep, I, I agree. And I see that often it'll come with mm -hmm. um, the loss of a job, the loss of a child or um, an infidelity that, that someone has a shock and the shock yeah. is enough to bring something from the unconscious into their peripheral vision at least. And they can then start to acknowledge it. But the numbing is so tempting. And so it's so well, much- it's so yeah, present. <laughs> it is. And the only thing that will uh, uh, wake people up, there is two kinds of energy that has you elevate. Because elevate you shall. There is no resisting evolution, right? But so there is two energy. There is suffering and there is love. So if you... If you listen to all the people like Eckhart Tolle, um, um, Byron Katie, whatever, you, they all tell you, okay, I was in dark despair and suicidal, and then suddenly I had this epiphany and off I went, right? So that's the energy of suffering. It's a kinetic energy that will move you out of a dark place. Mm -hmm. The other one is love, which is obviously very much more pleasant, and you don't have to wait for life to wake you up. But the conversation to be had, which I find are the most powerful, is for people to tell the truth. So what is telling the truth, right? Well, to look at their life without pretense or without giving an image and to say, okay, what is your level of happiness right now? What is your level of joy? What is your level of adventure? What is your level of dreaming? And, and, and <laughs> really have them check in, take the time to check in with their life. And, and are you going to tolerate it? If yes, what do you get out of it? And if no, let me support you with the action, right? But at least if they tell the truth about tolerating the ordinariness of a life for comfort, the moment they tell the truth that they rather the familiar rather than take a risk, at that moment, somehow they're 50% on the way to take a risk. <laughs> right, right. I, you know, that, that to me links to, so telling the truth to yourself, allowing yourself to be aware of the truth oh. is a, a it's halfway to, um, to like being in your confidence, to actually like having the confidence to do something, to allow yourself to see is a step all by itself. I, I wouldn't say it's confidence. I would say it's courage. Sure, sure. I mean, what's your, when you say awareness, what, are you, what do you want people to be aware of? Well, I think awareness is the ultimate power, right? And what I mean by awareness is when you teach your child to cross a street, you ask your child to stop, look right, look left, and then make a choice. This is what awareness is for me. Just take the time to stay still just for a moment and look with no filter, just look. And um, it is only by taking those moments of stillness and of looking at what is happening without your narrative about what is happening, that you will uh, be able to make a conscious choice. Mm -hmm. 
You have a book, I'm just going to say the title for our listeners, The Elegance of Simplicity, A Wisdom Teacher's Epic Journey to Awareness. And that book offers an effortless pathway to awareness. What is that pathway to helping people become more aware? Is it what you just outlined or is it something else? Um, I, I don't think there is a pathway, right, to um, elevate yourself. I think all the road goes to Rome. Uh, is that the saying in English? I'm, I've normally yeah, take French saying and I put them in English and sometimes it doesn't work. But um, I think whatever your journey is and whatever the road you take, you are going one place. <laughs> so at least you can relax, right? Whatever you do, it's fine. It will all turn out. Um, now... The, there is a, a shift happening in our world that is so exciting. And I know I'm talking in the middle of a pandemic where people are suffering and it's been an upheaval for over a year. But, you know, I work with a lot of people and I, I'm connected to a lot of people and there is this shift happening. It's like a groundswell movement. It comes from underneath where people have suddenly shifted. You know, there is no more buying right, left and center just to buy and feel better. There is no more working 12 hours a day and forget about having dinner with my spouse. Or People are starting to bring discernment to what, to their life. And they're starting to ask, well, if I do that, what's the purpose? Will it fulfill on my dream? Will it fulfill? Will it elevate my quality of life? And, and the automatism of um, what we used to have, I, I experience is starting little by little to shift, right? So um, the, the access is get on the train, just get on the train. Don't stay at the station looking if the train is going to go somewhere nice. Just get on the train. Take risks. That's what I would say to people. There is so much. Look at your podcast that you're doing, right? It is so extraordinary that you would be interested in having this conversation to elevate people's consciousness. There is so many out there. Get interested and find out. And whatever will resonate with you, just go. Just go and have fun. That's what I will say to people. One of the things that's so intriguing about you is that you are on this constant road of self-discovery. And I love people like that. One of the reasons why I love Jolie is that there's so much to be discovered every day and there's so many adventures to be had. And I'm wondering if there's something that happens when you discover something about yourself? Like, how do you know when you've discovered something mean, meaningful that will create a big shift? Or is there, and maybe this is too abstract of a question and maybe this is just something no, I think about I, all the time. I, 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 I get it totally. First, after 30 years, right, or 35 years, I'm now really fast. So <laughs> that's the advantage of growing old is that I have practice, right? So um, here it is. When I am anything other than in joy, the, the, way I, the way I recognize that I'm aligned with my soul is joy. People have other ways, right? Either they have love or, uh, I don't know, um, peace. Uh, for me, it's joy. So um, if there is anything other than joy, I stop everything and I look. And the moment, but being in the constraint of the suffering for me, even if it's light suffering is unbearable. Like I can make myself sick in five minutes if I, or in 20 minutes. The other day, I, somebody said something that hurt my feelings. Within 20 minutes, I had an earache, right? So I stop everything, look at the source of it and just realign myself. So it's quite quick. So that's again, is awareness. If my body suddenly I have an ache or, if, if I don't experience joy or if I have a heaviness, oh, I stop everything. So um, I think I went away a little bit from your question, but the experience is lightness. You literally drop, you know, the spiritual path, Angela, is giving up, right? 
always giving up. It's not getting somewhere. There is nowhere to get. You already are there. You already are consciousness. Where are you going? You don't have to go anywhere. But you have to give up everything that is not who you really are. So giving up, giving up, you get lighter and lighter and lighter. The word enlightenment is beautiful. You get lighter. <laughs> I love that. There's such a simplicity to that. And also it goes back to your, your comments about awareness. It's like, how do I feel in my body right now? There's some information right there. <laughs> That's right. Um, we work we work with speakers who are developing talks and building their brand and getting yeah. known for a subject. And yeah. a lot of times they struggle with how to specialize in something. Maybe they have a lot of different interests or they fear picking one and it not being the right one. Do you have any advice for people who are sort of stuck in that space and feeling like they don't want to commit to something because it could be the wrong thing? Oh, Angela, that's a tough question. I've got to, I've got to answer something really profound. <laughs> I don't ask many people this question, but I feel like you know something about it. <laughs> All right. I, 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 okay. Okay. There is, we go back to language. There is a difference between choice and decision. Okay. So a decision is when you make the selection based on outside circumstances so on your feelings on your taste on outside circumstances the weather but it's external to you so you can get that a decision you become the victim of your selection because you've given your power away to what is external to you so if you choose ice cream pistachio because you like the color what is running your life is your likes, not you. And you are not your likes, you have them. Okay? So decision will drive you crazy because the world is ever changing, ever moving, and it goes all over the place. So if you base it on the external, that changes, then you find yourself, oh, I should have bought the blue car instead of the red one. Okay? Now choice is very powerful. It's truly a divine distinction. You are connected to the divine and to your soul. You are in the total stillness of that connection. And you listen for what wants to happen. And you jump off the cliff. There is no reason, no justification, no circumstances, no right, no wrong nothing it is from nothing so it's very much um, frightening for people because it's like for a writer being in front of a blank page you know you have a blank page you have to start writing a book and you say uh, uh, how do i start what do i say okay choice is a little bit like that and it makes everything possible so choose and if you do not decide choose Align with who you really are. And if after a while it doesn't work for you, you complete powerfully and you make another choice. Just don't decide on the very important topic of your life. It will put you in a trap. You know, people decide to get married based on the other one looks. They have all their teeth, their hair, and they thin. Then that person loses their hair, their teeth, and put on weight. And then what do you do? Because they are miserable. They are miserable. <laughs> but if you choose, like I chose when I was 20, I chose my husband. He was 26 years older than me. He was a bit handicapped. He, I mean, you know, there was no reason. I just chose him and I had six years of bliss before his death. So choosing is the answer. So, I am so in love with that. Hang on. I just like, like yeah. have to, I'm totally in love with that. This is so aligned with my, how I work and, and my, my truth. And I mean, I guess, because we've also studied some of the same things I studied Jungian psychology and archetypal psychology. So there's a, a strong similarity. Say again, decision or choice. I just want to summarize decision yeah, yeah. or choice decision. Cause we aren't our likes. Okay. We yeah. aren't. No decisions are based on the external the external you make your selection based on external things and choice you make your selection based on your relationship to your soul okay on who you really are 
I just wanted yeah, to make sure I we had them. Yeah. It seems like another concrete way of saying making choices based on your internal is about noticing the lightness or noticing when things feel hard, right? Is it like, oh, I feel joy right now. So that's a choice in a way because it's you're sort of um, noticing a feeling that's coming from a stimuli or um, a moment. Is that accurate? I didn't quite follow you. Okay. Well, earlier you were talking about um, the, uh, like, what is it? The, the way you know you're aligned with yeah, your soul the, is the, the presence uh, of joy. I think I got what you said. Let's see if I got the, the experience of joy that tells me that I'm aligned with my soul is a consequence of the alignment. Mm, that's super important. It's a consequence. It's not the re it's, it's, it's not like, another like, no, it's a consequence that comes yeah. from it. Yeah. I like that. It's like the gift that comes out of it. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> you also help people answer the question, what is my life about? And I asked you that question in the beginning, but how do you help other people answer that question? So I, I take them through the disentanglement of the ego. <laughs> so anything um, that you identify with external to who you really are, right? So the ego, people have a weird idea about what the ego is. Most people think it's being arrogant or a jerk. It's not that. It's The ego is everything you identify with that is not who you really are, right? So you can identify with your age, your color of your skin, the amount of money you have, being a mother, um, with your likes, your dislikes, your education, your nationality. I mean, you can identify with anything you can put your hand on. And that makes the whole of the ego. And of course, that's where you suffer because <laughs> you, that's not who you really are. So the ego has a very specific de uh, design. It's actually very simple. There is a design to the survival of human beings. That's what I call the disentanglement. So I take my students from birth to where they are right now. And we disentangle the character they created, the play they made up until they meet who they really are. And then from then, then they learn to listen to what wants to happen and they create a new play. This time, not believing it's true. <laughs> How long does that usually take? All right, it doesn't take very long. Um, really? It's uh, very simple. I have a course starting Saturday that start. It's uh, fourteen sessions of two hours. Wow, that's a, that's the first course, right? So that's a disentanglement of the ego. The second course is the relationship to the spiritual. That's nine sessions of two hours, and then the third one is a practice because without practice the ego will rear its ugly head and that's eight sessions so in that's a public course i also have one-on-one -on -one courses and um but it's not long i'm not uh, somebody that wants to go in therapy for 45 years it's not my style you know i'm too hungry <laughs> i resonate with that yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you have an example of a student who's taken your class and what they how they showed up and how they, I, I don't know, um, described themselves and by the end of it, how they described themselves? Oh, I can, I'm sure she would not mind. Uh, I'm sure she would not mind, or oh, I hope she won't mind. Okay, well, I won't give too many details, but um, I got this delightful, but delightful girl, right? That um, even had doubt about being, mentally balanced because she said maybe i should go and see a doctor or take some medicine or whatever which um, uh, she was always pleasing people she was the nicest sweetheart like a yes yes to everything everybody wanted no power but so loving you just like a little flower do you know what i mean like a little like lamb or something well, she's now a powerhouse. <laughs> she's just like, and, and here's a good thing about it. Because she practiced for years being nice, she can be in her full power, making things happen, running a company while still being nice. 
I mean, you have your cake and eat it, right? So she's one of my nicest accomplishments. She just turned 30 and she is, um, oh, it's delicious to see this freedom. That yeah. is important transition because that that good girl that 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 super nice that people pleaser we talk about that all the time it blocks us from sharing our get our, our actual being with with the people we need to do like we we don't yeah. because we don't have it we're just trying to be something that they will like well it's and, not and real. she didn't even know who she was because it was all about others so there was no how to be seen for herself you know so you leave a a life where you are in, invisible to yourself. It's, it's painful. Talk about suffering. Yeah. What did you disentangle from her story to help her be more of a powerhouse? Oh, that I can't share. Oh, okay. I, I, would not, <laughs> I, I can share about myself, but I can't share about yeah, I, would, <laughs> I would love it if you shared some of your story, just because I think it's helpful to understand the things that you're separating in order for our listeners to get a better sense of how they could do it. All right. So um, I can talk about um, public speaking, if you want, how I got to uh, lead to 100,000 people without any suffering whatsoever. Oh, please. Yes, please. <laughs> All right. So I started where I could not even speak at my birthday party to, to thank my friend for coming, right? So I literally was like... Uh, and what age was that? Of, uh, all, uh, all the way to 28. Okay. And at 28, I um, was doing a presentation to six people. I was an interior designer at that time, and I passed out. <laughs> That's how much fear I had, okay? So then at 33, I go and study and decide and have another epiphany and all that. And I say, okay, this is it. I am going to give what I got to everybody I can put my hand on. So I needed to lead seminars. So I started the training four years to lead seminars and, and train people in the, in the a branch of philosophy called ontology. And I am in front with a trainer. I'm in front of the room for three hours. And then we have half an hour break. And I spend that half hour throwing up in the bathroom. And after two days, my trainer says to me, every single break, every single day, I do the same. After three days, my trainer said to me, you know, it, 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 it's not going to do it. I mean, you're going to be sick. It would be much easier if you were not frightened. I nearly strangled him. I said, well, ah, of course, I know it would be easier if I wasn't frightened. And at that moment, I decided, okay, I've got to look what the source of my fear is. And I got back to a memory of when I was 12, when I was 12 years old, still in Casablanca, my father bought a new car and he, he let me drive it. It's, I mean, he didn't let me drive it in the road, but we had a farm and I could drive the car. And he said, okay, you can put it in the garage. And to get into the garage, there was a little wall and another little wall. And then you put the car in between the two little wall, except that I didn't go in between the two little wall. I went straight into the wall and the car was like an accordion. And I heard this scream from my dad, right? His new car. And I hid under the steering wheel. <laughs> and I think he thought I was dead because he wrenched the door open. And I went, hey, dad. And he had the reaction that many human beings have. You know, first he thinks I'm dead. Now I'm alive. Now he wants to kill me, right? So yeah. then he smacked me. And at that moment, I remember I looked at him, my dad was this big, strong man, and I knew he adored me. And I said to myself, if my father that I know adores me can hit me, then the world is a dangerous place. Anybody can do that. So do not put yourself in a situation where you are seen and where people might attack you. The moment I realized that, I went back in front of the room, looked at those 300 people in, in the seminar, <laughs> started laughing, saying I literally was behaving as if those 300 pe people might just stand up at any time and come and hit me. 
and from then on, I'm so at ease. I, I tell you, I led to 100,000 people. I love being in front of the room. My fear totally disappeared. Now, every single person I've talked to that had problem with public speaking have taken an incident, uh, have taken a decision in the past. And, and, you know, at the beginning of humankind, we survived the elements, we survived the wild beast, we needed an ego to know what to eat, the climate, you know, that way. But at one point in our evolution, we stopped surviving nature and the world and we started surviving each other. And that is part of the elevation of we're going through is that we really have to bring awareness to the fact that speaking to another human being is more terrifying than death. I mean, excuse me, right? And, and, and that's the work you must have done, Angela. I listened to some of your podcasts when you learned to, to speak in public, right? You must have gotten to a fear you had, a decision you made, and get free from it. Absolutely. Yeah, I was a lot about a shift in perspective. And I often would think about how long the universe has existed and how long it will exist and how infinite it is and how um, how small this moment is. And no matter what happens, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I know, right? It doesn't mean much, right? <laughs> it doesn't. That takes a lot of pressure off. Yeah, it does. It does. Sophie, is there anything you want to promote or share with the audience that can help them get to know more of you and your work? Well, I have this free course, right? Um, I don't know when you're going to publish this podcast, but it's been free for six months and it's going to be free for maybe another two or three weeks. Are you going to publish the podcast soon? Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. So grab it now. <laughs> Not that I'm going to make it expensive, but it's, it's a free course. You get the full audiobook. And it takes you through the, um, the life of a human being that is dismantling her ego. And they, it, it's really powerfully done. There is video, you receive it by email. It's, it's, uh, I have thousands of people now that have taken it. Um, so that's my gift to your listeners. Um, all they need to do is go on my website, or maybe you can put the link. It's called The Call of the Soul. It's entertaining, free. You receive 21 email. You can do it in your own time. Love that. Yeah. Well, Sophie, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a, a pleasure talking to you. I think we could probably talk for many more hours, but we'll pause right there. And um, hopefully everyone will get a chance to check out your course. Great. I love being here. Thank you for having me. Jolie and I hope you love listening as much as we love making this show. If so, tell us by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or share it with a friend. Claim the Stage is a production of Speaker Sisterhood and is produced in the Glitter Closet in Holyoke, Massachusetts. Music is composed by Kelly Vogel of Sound Passage. All right, that does it for us this week. Until next time, stop waiting, start creating. Bye for now.